and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street, a monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes. All right, everyone. Today, we're talking about Run with Chandler Bullock. Chandler, tell us why or what, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh, just, okay. Uh, painful question out the gate. Thank you. Uh, my favorite scary movie. That's a great question. I have so many loves. I'm going to say right now in this position in my life, uh, I keep coming back to The Witch from uh, Robert Edgars. I think that's still my favorite. It hits me in a lot of personal ways, but also just aesthetically, it's just like the most delicious treat, basically. <laughs> so I just love it. So do you have a, a favorite like subgenre? Or are you are you an equal opportunist? I would call myself an equal opportunist when it comes to horror. I love it all. They're all my little babies. But uh, I guess I'm getting into Jalo really heavily these days, uh, to the point that uh, my fiance actually got me a Blu-ray of all the colors of Jalo uh, for my birthday, and it was I haven't seen it yet, but I'm looking forward to that four hours of just Jalo trailers that they have on there. <laughs> Uh, she said, I could get you a Jalo film, or you could just look at all these trailers, and then you will know which movies you want, and I won't make any mistakes. So, there you go. Yeah, that, that's, that works for me. That's genius. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and I'd say, like, you know, you're more slow burn culty kind of films. Those are the things I enjoy a lot as well. But, uh, I mean, I love slashers, all of it. I, I love just good old horror. Good, cool, awesome. Well, tell the audience where they can find you on social media, where they can follow all your adventures and what you got going on, any projects you want to push, anything like that. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. It's at underscore shockaholic is the name. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel by the name of shockaholic as well, but it's kind of on the back burner at the moment just because of I'm working on my uh, master's thesis at the moment and I'm a manager at my day job. So it's just doing all the things has made me have to stop doing some of the things. Um, but when it comes to my musings and stuff, you can always catch me uh, at Ghoulish Media and at Morbidly Beautiful. I write periodically for them. And uh, I also have a podcast in the works coming soon uh, that uh, should we're going to tackle the beauty of horror is what I'm going to be going into since it ties in with my master's thesis. I figured do a little bit of a companion piece and let's talk horror and beauty. I in the loop oh, for that. Thank you. We love a good horror podcast, obviously. <laughs> oh, well, I, I'm, I'm quite a fan myself. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's get down into just some general thoughts on the film Run. I love that they actually cast an actor that uses a wheelchair because a lot of places don't and never think to. Yeah, I really, really love that. At first, I, I mean, I didn't do much research going into watching it. So when... Uh, uh, are we talking spoilers? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, like, well, a little spoiler alert for the spoiler alerts, but uh, so somewhere around the end of the film, she does kind of stand up from the wheelchair to go through a metal detector. And so when she was with the cane for a moment, I said out loud, that's some great acting. That looks so realistic. And then we looked at that and was like, oh, that explains it. Yeah, uh, that's, that's even more awesome. <laughs> yeah, you could just tell how natural she was, A, in the wheelchair, and then be when she did when she did the stand up being someone that works with people with disabilities every day you can tell when it's fake <laughs> typically mm. um you can really tell when someone is faking it so that was that was refreshing 
And I did wonder that when she was on there, but I was like, she's too good with that wheelchair. <laughs> but what's interesting though, is they cast her with her disabilities as a character that actually her disability is given to her by her mother. Again, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. by the, the muscle relaxers that she's been taking every day for God knows how long. Um, which brings me to, you know, the first thing I thought of even going into this movie, I was like, and Shrey, you, you have thoughts on this as well, but um, I was like, is this another Gypsy Rose Blanchard storyline? You know, because I'm, I'm obsessed with Gypsy Rose. I was, I was like expecting that going into it. I was worried this was going to be another one of those because like I know Hulu also did the act which did not have her permission to tell her story and actually heard some of the deals that she was trying to line up for life after prison and so I was like Hulu just needs to leave this girl alone and so I was happy it wasn't a complete rip off again it was something different enough to where I was like okay I cannot be angry. Yeah when they added the whole twist of her not being her the actual her actual daughter I was like okay that's interesting but they never really go that far with that's my that, I think that's kind of my issue with the movie is that it goes there but it doesn't go far enough for me in a lot of ways uh, like Sarah Paulson Sarah Paulson is great I love her but like she's not creepy enough in some ways <laughs> you know I, I was saying to to my fiance as well when we were watching it I, I felt that the soundtrack as amazing as it was was far too intense for what we were being given because just from the very beginning like Sarah Paulson walks on and it just gives you this invisible man style like drone and I think okay but I don't know who this person is and is she evil is what's and when you kind of beg the question the way the plot seems to make you want to question the reality of it a little bit the person who made the score clearly just skipped ahead to the end of the movie understood the plot and said i'm gonna make that the score so there's nothing lost in translation here you just be creeped out again left me with so many questions like did you all realize did you all notice the scars on her back we never learned what those were but what was that what (laughs) was she abused I i don't i don't yeah feels like a grab bag of stuff because we start out and it's like okay we're gonna do this and they give away too much. And then it becomes sort of a lifetime movie roller coaster of just throwing <laughs> shit at this plot as opposed to earning any of it. And I'm just like, you don't have to over-assess a rise. You can just put on like the one pair of earrings and go mm-hmm. outside. And they're like, no, necklaces. <laughs> and it was very weighted down um, and a very lifetime aesthetic. All right, now let's get into some um, specific notes, any of our specific notes on the movie. Well, let's just start at the beginning then, I guess. Uh, One note I have here is how much I loved that title card. I love the fact that we open with uh, somebody being resuscitated in the hospital. Then it goes to the baby ward and we're, uh, or maternity ward. And we just see Sarah Paulson looking very obsessively at the camera before we've ever seen this child. Finally, we see the baby and it's clearly ill and premature and way too small and then they just list on a black screen all of these different ailments that this character is going to have and the definitions and at the end of it with paralysis they mention that they can't run and it just drifts and you just the tiniest word run i thought that set a really good tone that the film never met but it was really cool it wasn't (laughs) i because of that baby situation with sarah paulson i spent the whole movie going did she do that to herself while the baby was in utero because 
Mm. People who are unwell are unwell. And so I could definitely see some of these like mothers with Munchausen by proxy syndrome doing things before it's out. Right. And so when they put in that twist, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I wish you'd given that more weight than you're going to. Because at this yeah. point, we're just throwing shit in this like ride. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah. It was a super cool intro. And I like the idea that they did zero in on the word run because if she could run, this would be a, whole, a completely different film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a whole 20-minute sequence there that we wouldn't have gotten, which was in the whole house thing. Like, mm-hmm. her getting out of the house would have been very quick. <laughs> Just going to roll off of the, the rooftop and, and run for it. But no, we got to get a pretty... Uh, it kind of reminded me of Hush, actually. You have a moment in Hush as well, where she's crawling around on the rooftop and trying to get away from uh, the killer in that movie. Um, but it, it's because she can't run. That's the only reason that works. <laughs> No, look, again, I wish they lived up to what they did there, Um, especially because in the horror genre, it's always running. Like the final girl is going to (laughs) run. The monster is going to sometimes run. And so there's a lot of running in horror movies. You have to be really in shape and just willing to like run (laughs) to win. And so when you have characters who can't do that, it, it shifts it and it makes you actually remember that some people do not do the running for various reasons. I am not a runner for different reasons. And so that's why my horror movie would not be as interesting. <laughs> so yeah. Going back to her on that wheelchair, I would I would put ten bucks down that she could beat me in a wheelchair before I in a race, like one hundred percent. That girl was quick. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. I mean, she's going across like city streets and stuff before her mom even knew where she was and everything. Right. Uh, she she knew the wheelchair very intimately. <laughs> That's one of my almost notes is that we don't often get to see people in wheelchairs who are independent because the media just doesn't Mm -hmm. give us that. So it was nice to see her like living a full life, doing the things, being engaged, um, making plans for the future because again, the media fails this community quite often. And so it's more like victims and like the wishing you could have a different circumstance, which is not the case for a lot of the people who can also do these things. Also, a, a female character who is very much into like the sciences and, and education. I mean, she was yeah. building a whole 3D printer in her bedroom. <laughs> I, I loved all of that. In fact, one thing that struck me at the beginning of the film was so nice and wholesome was just how they showed how kind of optimistically and positive that her and her mother had set up her routine, basically, because she had all these different pills that she had to take and she had to check her insulin all the time and it could have been a very down tiring kind of process which is what you normally see in a movie and I was so happy that they were kind of like high-fiving each other and making jokes about it and watching movies and the same way you would see I don't know like any teen situation of just somebody grabbing their sandwich and going to school they just did that through a different uh, lens and that was really nice to watch yeah yeah, no, it, it set it up to be a different movie aside from the fact that we clearly know Sarah Paulson's character was up to no good because yeah. who goes to support group meetings when you don't want support? Because <laughs> she's like, everybody else is crying. She's like, oh no, my daughter's going to be fine. She's perfect. I'm like, well, why are you here? I've yet to go to group therapy and not need therapy. Like, <laughs> so like, what are, what are we doing here? Yeah, and she was too enthusiastic. I don't have any care. I don't worry about her at all. And I'm like, then you're not a parent. Like, every parent worries about a child. I don't care if they have a disability or not. 
Yeah, they they definitely did not hide she was going to be the villain. Um, they escalated some things and made some choices that did not make sense for the villain they set up. But that's that's what this podcast is for today. <laughs> yeah, they they kind of I felt that that whole scene of them in the group therapy session with her being so kind of manic about the whole situation. I it wrote down, oh, she's being so passive aggressive and she's really jealous of her daughter and that none of that happens. They have a complete different twist and want to show, oh no, she really is just the most caring mom in the world who's just doesn't know what caring means. And uh, yeah, I think that's where the movie lost me a little bit too, is like you said already, Eshirai, that the setup doesn't go in the direct it's like it's a twist for the sake of haha i didn't do what you thought i was gonna do exactly because they give away they give away so much and then it's an abrupt shift because we clearly know she's lying to her group (laughs) again who goes to group not needing help um and we know that she's hiding her daughter's letters of acceptance into these schools because of the way they set that up um, and so we're like, okay, so this is definitely a Munchausen syndrome situation. And then all of a sudden, she's like stabbing people in the necks, and she's kidnapped a baby. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Who do you know? Your villain? Because <laughs> it all—that's my other note. It escalates so quickly, and none of it's earned. Yeah. Uh, one of my notes is. If you're an almost high school graduate and you're having to sneak into the into the inter, onto the internet in the middle of the night, you know there's a problem. <laughs> when mm-hmm. you're almost, she's almost 18 at this point. You should be able to get on the internet whenever you want to. Yeah, it, it's strange how everything in her life seemed pretty perfect, but then that's something that's just so evidently abusive. That's my, another thing that escalated quickly was the daughter figuring out her mother was trying to like poison her. Because again, she's been with this woman for however many years. Um, This is her life. And she sees one pill that doesn't make sense. And she's like, web of lies. And I'm like, I feel there's other signs. (laughs) I feel like there's other things you should have picked up on. I feel like there are more conversations to be had aside from this pill is green. I can't trust you like we we don't earn anything that happens in this movie and it bothers me (laughs) it just bothers me it's also like she for as smart and observant as she is you know the point about the computer is already a great point of how how did you not notice this you noticed the green pill you already noticed how your mom always seems to beat you to the door when the mail arrives and that already kind of tipped her off way early on in the film but just those little microaggressions throughout the whole film. She didn't notice any of that, but she totally knew how to manipulate some random dude on the phone. It's very oddly scattered throughout of it. And I think that's, you know, you get a character that is, I love it that you do get a character who's disabled and who's also incredibly intelligent and self-sufficient, but in a very plot armor kind of way, unfortunately. Both intelligent and naive all at the same time, which could work. It, it just didn't in this case in my opinion this character deserved a better plot because i feel like had you popped her popped her into something where you actually had more clues and more conversations and more build-up um this character would have navigated that beautifully because instead it was just like hey maybe you should notice the mail now that you're 17 18 hey (laughs) maybe you should notice you don't have a phone and you have to get on the internet in secrecy at 17 again um and hey your mother has a pill and you're concerned about it and like 
again, the pill being the only thing that made her go, I maybe can't trust this woman who's raised me. I just, I have questions and I have concerns. And so I wish that we could see a character like this in a different movie. So we could also get that like smart girl who's like building shit. And even at the end, which is an adult, she's building like legs and things for other children who are in similar situations. And I love that payoff. And so there's so many breadcrumbs, then we never get the actual cookie. And I'm just sad about it. That's not a good metaphor, but I don't bake. So yeah, I'm gonna just tap out of that one. I found some moments genuinely just terrifying and creepy. For instance, I really was kind of freaked at that one moment when she does go, like Chloe goes to check out the internet and the internet's not working. And then they just pan and you have Diane in the kitchen the whole time. I think that the eye behind the camera, great, really good work. You had good direction, you had good score, editing was really good. I think the script is really the only thing that left me a little lacking, but the the suspense and the horror in this film, when it hits, I think hits pretty damn well. There were so many times it meandered towards something like Misery or something like Rear Window mm-hmm. or something else that has done this in a, in, a, in a different and sometimes better manner. And it never actually like committed to any of those. It was just like, I'm going to give you this nod, but we're going to do something different and lesser. And I just, yeah, I agree. Like all, all these really, really cool ingredients. And then like we made this. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's almost like, because I mean, in, in films or in theater or whatever, the script has to be the thing that unites everything. And in this, yeah, you had great direction, you had some great performances, you had a great score, but the script wasn't there. So there was nothing connecting all those tissues. It's like you had all these limbs and body parts, but no heart to make it go. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. It is also, I think this movie suffers from the whole Mimberries syndrome where you just throw in a bunch of references to other things that did the thing. And they're not just visual references. We're also talking about how they mentioned Dairy Main on the 411. You have Kathy Bates, who runs the pharmacy. Uh, the Marquis has uh, references to fake news and things like this. And it, it made me kind of go, oh, hey, when I saw it. But it's one of those things that kind of starts to irritate you after the movie's done. And you think, you, you could have just taken inspiration from those things. And why couldn't you have just made this as upsetting as watching the kids who had to deal with their shit in Dairy Man? You know, maybe that small town with some fucked up people in it. Right. And it's, all, and it's almost like this. that wasn't the movie I signed up for. I didn't sign up for the movie with all the movie references. I didn't sign up for Scream about Munchausen Syndrome. You know, like, I didn't, that's not what I signed up for. Uh, and so, yeah, those all kind of fell flat for me. Yeah, I, it, I, I keep trying to figure this movie out because like, it also does that thing I hate where they give their villain, Diana, played by Sarah Paulson, nowhere to go. And so they just make these like over the top choices that don't make any fucking sense. Like she rolled, she went into a hospital to snatch her daughter, what's not her daughter out and things kept escalating and she had a gun and pulled a gun on the cops. And I was like, ma'am, how do you think you're going to get rid of any of this? Which I've been asking since she killed the mailman because 
when she killed the mailman, we officially got off the tracks because yeah. we're in a different movie because now she's a murderer on top of what she's been doing to this girl forever. And she now has to get rid of bodies, but she's bringing the bodies back to her home. <laughs> it's just like hide mail trucks. And now she's gonna like have a shootout with the cops. And I'm just like, who are you? What are you doing? Do you know anymore? <laughs> right. right. Yeah, it kind of, that kind of goes with one of my points too. It's like, it's really sad that they gave their, their villain there wasn't much like, number one, why would you, if I kidnapped someone's child, why would you keep a news clipping of the parents looking for that child next to the birth the death certificate of your baby? That, 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 what? <laughs> I understand it had to be, you didn't need that plot twist. You did not need that plot twist. When that happens, it's because people realize they have not given you that in the actual script. So it's like, here's a box of all the answers. And it's like, but <laughs> you could have oh. just, you could have done different things and made different choices. Yeah, I think it's like, it was an interesting story development, I felt, but it was also in like the last half hour of the film. And if you had maybe set her up to be this uber creepy, obsessive mother by the 10 minute mark, by the 20 minute mark, we've already had that one escape attempt and she's killed a guy. For the rest of the movie, it should just be bodies piling up, getting more and more tense, and it, then you do misery. You do the whole, oh my god, there's a cop at the door. How are we going to do? How is this going to turn out? And even at the hospital, I was just sitting here going like, what kind of damn hospital lets a random just white lady grab some person with a, a wheelchair and just roll her out calmly? Right. And while that person in a wheelchair is clearly not in the right mind. like she, Her head isn't held up. She is literally about to pass out. It makes no sense. And all these, yeah, also, you get to the stairs, then they don't even have like some have a nurse come up. Can I help you get down the stairs? I, if you've ever has this person ever been to a hospital, they are on you all the time. Yes, and like, yes. When, does every nurse and I had that's one of my notes. Did every nurse and doctor in this whole entire damn hospital have to go to that one cold blue? <laughs> <laughs> that was a VIP, and so they all had to like leave. Mm -mm. <laughs> oh, again I just want Sarah Paulson to have something that earns her because I feel like every time I see her she's giving an, an amazing performance but it's something that is beneath her and she's outgrown it and yeah. so I just want for once want someone to challenge her with a good script I mean I feel like I mean, there's been a few times of her with her on American Horror Story that that's happened but not not nearly as many um and, but yeah no this was not it this was not it well, also, I mean, that's the thing is she already had a, a huge uh, challenge when she was working on television all the time and she's moved to feature films in starring roles. It's just completely bizarre to me that they can't even match the level of challenge and intensity and complexity that she's had to do for television. Now, I'm not saying that television is a lesser medium in any, any way, shape or form. I mean, especially American Horror Story for an actor that's what that show does <laughs> it pushes you to your limits uh but you, there are so many good filmmakers out there that i'm sure that would love to work with sarah paulson i don't know what her career is honestly <laughs> what's going on with that i don't look i'm hoping this is one of those cases where the script wasn't ready when she signed on and mm -hmm. so she was like oh yeah they have some notes and it'll be great and then they were like haha we're not gonna follow those notes <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> 
And I can totally see on paper where this movie sounds really challenging and really fun acting thing to do. I mean, like, it's like playing Gypsy Rose Blanchard's mother. Like, that's a really creepy, fucked up character. And then they just gave it, then they handed her this script. And I'm I'm sure she was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) But like everything she does after her daughter talks to her about that pill is stuff that would be fun in quote-alongs um, and like fun like bits and like drag race in a couple years but it doesn't serve the script it, it does not serve the script or this character i felt the whole time that the writer of this saw um don't breathe and wanted to do a similar type of twist to it but then that basement needed to be just hell there needed to be like another family involved or something that she's like a multiple mom it needed to be just so beyond the realms of making sense that suddenly the fact that the film didn't make a whole bunch of sense works because you're in bizarro world right now right like they were scared to do that i think well and 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 compare continue to compare that to a movie like Don't Breathe. Don't Breathe had already before you even get to the basement had already started ramping up that tension, and this film just it was flat most of the time. Mm-hmm. Even even the very end was because like I was so confused why Chloe was visiting Diana. I was like she tried to kill you, sort of, kind of, not really, but tortured you for like a seventeen-ish years. Why are you visiting her? And then like at the very end, she like takes the pills out of her mouth, which you have to like look at twice in order to know what's happening. And she, I'm like, okay, so she's gonna like give her mother some of her own medicine. Literally. Is that, <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> and it's like, is that what we were building to? Is that what this hour and 38 minutes was for? Okay. Hated that. It's a weird revenge. What, like, what motivation do you have? Like, is she so? Are you afraid of her, or are you just that vindictive? I don't... Especially to wait seven years, like has a life, established career, kids, and now she's like, "Oh yeah, I forgot to kill her. I'm gonna go do that this weekend." Right, and she <laughs> is clearly connected to her biological parents because she talks about how her kid prefers her grandparent or her parents to her husband's parents, and like, it that ending didn't need to be there. End with her getting shot on the steps, and there we're done. Mm-hmm. you know how I feel about too many endings on my thriller slash horror movies because I keep having to give this note your first ending is fine <laughs> the endings after that I'm upset with you this is not Lord of the Rings we did not have that many subplots to tie up <laughs> right right if you don't feel confident in your first ending swap it out for one of the other ones don't make us sit through all of them right like- <laughs> or if you wanted to give us a semblance that she did go on to live a productive life well then give me a shot of her with her kid or whatever with in playing with her kid and her husband like i don't need this weird revenge now that i didn't make sense with her character either well there's one thing that i did like so this is one i'm gonna play the little devil's advocate just from one tiny observation i made but uh whatever let's do this um one thing that i noticed that was kind of interesting to me was Every time I asked myself, how is Chloe able to manipulate these people and do all these things? I paid attention to Diane. And if you pay attention, she is the most manipulative woman 
out there. And I did appreciate that that was a consistent character trait of hers. That means that Chloe was raised by a woman who manipulates everybody. So she's also been around the same types of manipulations. But I just hate the whole thing when it's the whole, your trauma turns you into the very person that hurt you to begin with. When you've already established Chloe as somebody who wants to get more in her life and she doesn't want to be this person that has been holding her back. So for her to just revert into that while having her cushy little life, uh, it just it, they did her so wrong there at the end of the film doing that. The waiting seven years is what messes me up because it's one thing if you want to like make sure she gets revenge. I'm cool with that. But like seven years and to catch her up on her life and then be like, okay, it felt so forced. But also going back to Diana and her manipulations, again, everything escalated too quickly. And so mm-hmm. we don't get to see her be good at manipulating people because like the mailman, for instance, she's like, I'm going to accuse you of these things. And it's like, clearly now he knows you're guilty. You didn't even try to like, <laughs> you didn't even try to like win him over. You were like, I'm just going to go big. Um, she was giving us big care and energy. And Thank so- Thank you. <laughs> I didn't want to be the one to say it, but yeah. Thank <laughs> you, big care and energy. <laughs> um, and she did that with everybody. Like even the pharmacist, she was practicing how to threaten her in order to get her to talk to her daughter. And I'm like, you've been manipulating people for so long how because you're bad at it if this is what you're doing you can't jump to insta threats and letting them know that you're (laughs) clearly the villain here you have to like try and pretend you're cool you didn't do anything and you can ration this out and that was never her method her method was instantly i'm gonna tell the police right here my little daughter and it's like (laughs) and if that doesn't work i'll just stab you in the neck in the street because i'm big care and energy i just (laughs) I mean, the film could have been make, try, being trying, like, they could have tried to make that point, but I feel yet again, if you want to make the point that, you know, we know how, you know, your average Karen out there is so obvious in what that person is trying to achieve and, and just how dastardly their motivations are. Uh, if you wanted to do that, then I would have actually appreciated if the film had tried to tell me the exact same story, but then focus on Diane's struggle to keep it all together because somehow I would have been kind of caught up in her just getting away with shit she shouldn't be getting away with because it's so obvious what she's doing. But no, she's really alone for most of the movie. And what does she really get away with? I don't really know. Like it it doesn't, it's a perfect world in this movie, I suppose. I don't know what her end game was going to be after she killed the mailman because she puts her daughter in the basement and I'm like, but what is your plan? And you've murdered someone in cold blood in the street and brought him home. (laughs) And it just, it keeps escalating so quickly that we never know what her new plan was going to be because clearly she wasn't going to kill her because when she drinks the shit in the closet she takes her to the hospital. And I'm just like, that was your out, but she took care of it for you. So clearly you really do need her, but you, aren't going to win her back like you know that I just I I do not know what this character's motivations are when she's found out and is bad about trying to hide that and that hurts the movie and the character and my brain and <laughs> I just yeah and before uh Chloe drinks the whatever it is she drank she's about to inject her with poison yeah I think she's trying to lobotomize her though she looked up neurotoxin yeah. So I think she's just trying to make her like a quadriplegic so where she just stays home and is taken care of. 
which I, I, I wonder why that wasn't on the table before because the girl was applying to colleges and she was hiding the, except it was her summer, but how long was that gonna last? Cause again, she's 17, 18. So if she doesn't get her acceptance letter, she's still gonna be like, I should still leave. I'm an adult now. And so I, again, I don't know what her plot was because <laughs> she was like, be independent, be strong. And I'll just keep you until you don't trust me anymore. And we'll go from there. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Why don't I teach you all of the things that are gonna make you able to fight me on this? Uh, because I want to be a good parent, but I'm going to do all the bad parent stuff and be selfish and get really mad when you against me. Yeah, I'm going to raise my biggest threat. Because <laughs> <So that laughs> <way you> <laughs> I mean, that whole sequence on the rooftop, that's when I thought, okay, you raised a very genius daughter here. And on one hand, you should be proud. On the other hand, I'd be pissed if i came home and i saw that she got around my uh, lock like that yeah the whole time i was wondering i was like why is she keeping that water in her mouth i do not understand what's going on and then i was like oh i see learning science that's something i take away from this movie i did learn some science i missed when mm -hmm. i was homeschooled thank you ron <laughs> um i have a question too about the hospital moment when she gets shot who are all these people running towards the dead body? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, Same close people. <laughs> it's that cold blue again. All the doctors and all the nurses have to go to that one cold blue. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, that's some of the laziest writing I've seen in a long time. Uh, we got I get it if you're trying to get that one nurse out of that one room. Maybe she's like the ER, you know, specialist to you know, make sure that she works quickly. But, Why not just kill her? I thought she was going to kill her like she did the mailman. She's already killed somebody. What's another one? It would have upped the tension throughout the whole scene. Are they going to find the body of the nurse? Or are they going to discover that she's, you know, completely whacked out? Yeah. Like, I, just, I don't understand what anybody thought could happen. <laughs> and I don't understand why any of it did happen the way it did. And so I just it's it's like two different movies forced in each other like it's a turkey key but like <laughs> it didn't need to be there it didn't need to happen yeah also can, let's can we talk a, a little bit about how the fact they were saying that they were going to interview her for uh interview chloe for a psychological assessment because she tried to commit suicide that day when she could barely write with a pen with one finger and she had a tube about halfway down her body uh, <laughs> and they were going to do it all in like an hour from now when she's able to talk. Mm, my other thing is when you attempt suicide, you have restraints, no matter the situation. And she had none. Um, also, this nurse is like letting her write something and it's like, oh, code blue. But if you know this person is in distress and trying to write something, I feel like you should stay with this one in distress who doesn't have the code blue going off over them and see what the distress is just in case it's something you should be aware of. So I don't know who trains these nurses. Um, yeah. And they were not understaffed. I mean, we saw that when Sarah Paulson got shot, the whole hospital came out to go help her. They were like, not the lead, run. Oh, no. <laughs> this, this person who tried to shoot some cops got shot. We need to take care of her. And some of them looked like they were in like pedestrian clothing. I was like, who are these people? Or did, you, did you just get yeah. off? Yeah. 
it turned into a mall. Like literally, yeah. they're just plain clothes people running around. And I'm like, also the escalators are broken. So like, <laughs> why are you all running down broken escalators to see this woman who got shot? Like, shouldn't you be like trying to get out of the space that people who need to be in the space can take care of whatever needs to happen? When I hear gunshots go off, I am leaving the room and not toward, not in the direction towards the guns. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's nothing they can do there at that point. I also love the convenient sirens there as if the ambulance had shown up as if they were going to like drag her into the ambulance, drive around the block and then show up at the ER. <laughs> That's American healthcare. Everybody's going to pay for the ambulance ride. What? Turn on a siren. There's no accident unless the siren's going off. <laughs> and we can't just take her to the, to the ER through the hospital. She must go through the ER doors to the, to the intake. <laughs> exactly. We have a process, damn it. Did she bring her paperwork? Well, I'm sorry. She's not hurt. She's... <laughs> Does she have insurance? <laughs> uh, mm. <laughs> this was a, a very pleasant uh, surprise for me. Surprise. Name another movie where they actually use 411. That was pretty cool. I was very happy to see it. And it's also a great way to show people who have grown up in our kind of technological smartphone age this is how you take care of yourself in a crisis if you don't have access to these things. So I love the kind of uh, take care of yourself preparation angle for this. And kudos to them for really teaching something valuable at that particular moment. What I did wonder is because, again, this house phone, this home phone line, I couldn't even, landline, that's the phrase I'm looking for. It's been a while. <laughs> landline. Proving my point. Right? It's her only contact with the outside world and she called 401 for information like yes but she never like called 911 to be like hi my mother is maybe trying to kill me <laughs> true but at that time she didn't know what the pill was so i think she was just having that kind of morbid curiosity because she didn't want to like throw her mom into jail by accident and when it could have just been her being paranoid but again, I wanted to see Chloe just be paranoid for a little bit longer so I can believe that maybe she's making a mistake. This movie told me straight up, Sarah Paulson sucks. Yes. No, but like when she breaks out and comes through the window and it goes get her inhaler, she comes back to go downstairs and sees that her mother has stopped that and doesn't go to check on the phone. And I was yeah. like, that phone is right there to be like 911. Hi, she definitely locked me in and this is suspect. Mm -hmm. um but we don't do that because that doesn't end up with the mailman dead and the, the escalation that happens so. <laughs> that's yeah. life it doesn't serve my plot so i don't do it right <laughs> <laughs> she's brilliant but she forgets we have a phone yeah. um, so. all right well should we get to some hot takes are we ready yes you go first chandler I don't think that this particular film is going to be controversial for anybody unless I said it was like better than Jaws or something, uh, which it was not. Um, I guess my best hot take here would be that if you were ever going to make a Karen horror film, this is not the Karen horror film you want to make because it doesn't do enough to really show the real life horrors of how people manipulate each other and callously... Uh, just do things for their own benefit and so it felt like a very perfect Hulu movie but not a very good theatrical release Agreed And I'm ready for a Karen film yeah. I'm so ready I'm going to write it and I want <laughs> Miss Olsen to come in for that 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so my hot take is there are a lot of scary moms out there in the real world and we could stand to have more media about them. Um, that way, those of us who are raised by them would have some sort of validation about what's going on in our own homes. Granted, this movie was not great, <laughs> but hopefully it can be a seedling so we can be like, but we should talk about these like moms who shouldn't be moms as well. Love it. Yeah. Um, agreed, 100%. So um, my hot take is, um, so again, when I went into this film, I totally clocked the whole, very being very similar to Gypsy Rose, Bl Rose Blanchard's story, and but the storytelling just wasn't there for me. And so I much prefer the story behind uh, Mommy Dead and Dearest, which is the documentary about her life on HBO. And then uh, the series that Sheree mentioned at the top, which did screw her over, which is terrible. I did not know at the time that I watched that, which I wish I had. But again, that's it's problematic as it is. It was still better storytelling because you did see all of the manipulation that her mother did. I mean, she even made her believe that she was two years younger than she actually was. Like, insanity. So Definitely. Definitely Google Gypsy Rose Blanchard and watch the Mommy Dead and Dearest documentary. Um, and if she ever gets to tell her story, definitely support that because it is a very interesting case of Munchausen by proxy syndrome and how Missouri's law failed this girl yet again. Yes, and you can find Mommy Dead and Dearest on HBO if you're if anyone's curious out there. All right. Well, that was Run, in which there was no running. <laughs> <laughs> Not a single moment, I think. I wish, I wish, wish, wish that we could have seen the kid she gave legs to running at the end. Mm -hmm. Because again, she was a science kid and she couldn't run from the person she needed to run from, which was her mother. And she was talking about this kid she gave legs to. And I was like, awesome. That would have been more impactful than seeing you come back seven years later for justice. That is the end. Yeah. Yeah, either get your revenge soon or don't do it. Like, don't mm -hmm. don't play seven years. That's a long game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Chandler, for joining us today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It was a delight. Next week, we're going to be covering Tragedy Girls with Joshua Cervantes. And that's going to continue our month-long quest to answer where my girl's at. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye.